Hey, TCA fans, welcome to TCAU, the podcast that helps you on your classical Christian and collaborative journey. My name is Sarah Britsky, and I am here with Heather Alston, Trinity Classical Academy's art teacher, at least the head of our art department. We have several art teachers, but Heather is our lead. And so, Heather, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast this morning. I'm really excited to be here. This is going to be great. Yeah, well, Heather and I have worked for many years thinking about art classically and in a collaborative setting. And so I'm excited to talk with you about what you've learned, about just what you love about art, about how you have implemented those things into our school. And so would you just first start by introducing yourself and talk about your connection to our school? Oh yeah. So um, I'm Heather Alston. I have two kids that come to TCA. I've got a ninth grader. Oh, that's crazy. Um, ninth grader and a sixth grader. Um, we, we love this school. And I started teaching six years ago. Uh, we've been working on how to build up a beautiful um, art program here. I taught in public school before I came here, so I'm not classically trained. I've been classically training myself. So that's been a fun journey. Um, I have a undergrad degree in art and in history. I've got my master's in teaching and I'm working currently on my master's in art of education. I don't think I knew you had an undergraduate degree in history too. And that fits so well with how we want to think about art classically. So I just love to kind of think through how you've thought through art classically the last you know, six years, I think we've been trying to figure out how to do art differently and to help our students really love it. What do you think it means to teach art classically? How does a history degree help you do that? Oh, really good question. Um, I, the history degree is just fantastic. I think history and art are really good vehicles for almost everything that we learn in the classical education. I mean, that's what we do is we integrate everything. Learning is not done in isolation. And so one of the things that I have been thinking through is just classical art education. So in order to do that well here, I, I take our, our history cycles and I integrate it with our art that we are learning. We also touch on language arts and we touch on math and we just bring in absolutely everything that we possibly can, making the connections for the kids that nothing is in isolation and we can use these vehicles to learn anything. Um, so art classically is like typically everything that I've read, like being able to draw well and look at things well. And so we do some of that here, but we, I also want to give the students experiences throughout a a lot of different mediums and a lot of different styles so that they can experience all these things for what they are gifts from God, which is a most beautiful thing. And this also allows students who maybe they are not good in drawing will be good in painting or sculpting or embroidery, which is what we're working on right now. So it's just been really fun to think through that. And my history degree, because I do have a passion for history, I actually wanted to be a history teacher at one point. Um, it's, it's easy to see how those two things go together, how art reflects society and people. And so by looking at the artwork, you can actually see the things that were important to people or the, the politics that people were trying to convey. It's art is not done just to do art. Like somebody is saying something and to be able to stop and look well and see that I think is really important. Yeah. I love what you're saying. I hear a lot of different themes in there. So I hear that when you think about art classically, you don't just want to teach art in isolation. You want to think about how it interacts with all the other things students are learning at school. You want to give students the grammar of a lot of different mediums, a lot of different kinds of um, 
I don't even know the right word, right? Of artistic opportunities so that they can choose what they're good at and maybe choose to learn more about those things. Um, and I hear you also saying that you want to not just teach how to do art, but also teach how to read the messages that artists are sending us. Um, we talk a lot about a spirit of charity at TCA. And so you're saying, don't just look at the art and decide if you like it or not, see what the artist is trying to tell you and um, think about the, the artist behind the art. It sounds like those are all ways you're thinking about art classically. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to incorporate that in every, every stage of our classes. I know grammar, we do a lot more just learning, but first through eighth grade, we do art history. So art history is in our curriculum. We stop and we look at art and I truly do try to get the kids to see just beyond I like this or not, because even if they don't like it, well, why, what makes it so what, what is causing you to dislike it? Like, and actually take the time we get, um, bombarded with images all day long. Like there's visual things all over and especially with social media and phones and TV, like it's a lot of quick little things and we don't stop and take the time to look. I think being able to slow down. And I think that's what classical education also does is it makes you slow down. It makes you look and it makes you think deeply. And so it's not surface level. You are going deep in actually engaging with the material. And I think that's what we do well or what I'm trying to do well in the art classroom. Yeah. And even to dig into that more, right. And so in the first couple of years of a student's education at TCA, what are they digging deeply into, right? There's that primer art and then early grammar. What are the things you want students to think about deeply so that they can not just look at a piece of art and see the whole thing, but see the pieces. Yeah. And pieces is really good because I talk about the building blocks or we refer to them as Legos sometimes of art. So they're just learning the words to use, how to talk well about it. And then just the elements of art, because the elements of art allow us to speak a common language when we look at something and be able to understand what we're talking about. So if we're, we're talking about like, I, I don't like this painting well, why? Well, it's all blues and blues makes me sad. So we, we can understand how color affects us and a color, like maybe that's the reason why the artist painted it all blue. So we can actually have a discussion on things like that. And so just getting them to see those elements of art to be able to see and engage with art. So that's the, the main goal for, for the grammar stage. I'm not an art person. What are the seven elements of art and how do you help kids engage with those? The formal elements of art are line, shape, form, color, value, space, and texture. And so in primer art, so pre-K and K, what they do is they repeat the same stuff for two years, which is good because they can do so much more in kindergarten than they could in pre-K. So it's, it's really good. But what they are doing is they're delving into art projects that give them hands-on experiences with those seven elements. And then they get to read books about them, which I really love because it just engages their minds as well. Um, and then, so first through fourth, we continue along that path. And so every, it's a four year rotation because we follow the history cycle. So um, each lesson is geared towards specific elements where we engage fully with those elements. So I create a sketchbook for each one of our our lessons or units. We do three to four a year. I always hope for four, um, but I want to delve deep. And so we learn all of the tools to be able to put it together into a project, which is actually a rhetoric stage thing. Um, so it's harder for little kids to do that, but we're still, we're doing it. 
but we learn and like we learn the different types of lines and we, so that sketchbooks help us walk through those elements and see how they apply to art projects. And then we also do the art history where we are doing the same analysis. What elements do we see? And we change it up with some games and interaction, but actually getting them to see and look. And then we have memory work. So we also just create like um, chants or songs that'll help just retain all of that grammar in their brains. I think sometimes people wonder why we don't do more art projects at TCA. And I love the heart behind that, which is actually we are walking students through grammar, logic and rhetoric three or four times a year at an age appropriate level. Right. So um, we're giving students the language of different art forms, maybe a specific project. Then we're helping them see how to use the things that, the, you know, the language, the elements, and then they create a project. And so um I think even that shows, that helps us think about the importance of really thinking about art K through 12, right? So in grammar stage, we're doing memory work. In grammar stage, we're really talking about elements, but then in logic and rhetoric, they really get to apply those. They're doing that in small ways in grammar, but there is kind of a, a bigger vision for by the time a student gets to fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, they have all of these tools, they have the language of art, and they can start doing more. But before we talk about those upper grades, I would love to hear a little bit about some of the different projects that are in each history cycle, because that was a vision we had a couple years ago where it was like, can we do this? Can we make art fit with the history cycle? And you took that on and it's been really cool to see how you have made that just a really thriving program. Even I would love to know why embroidery talk about the grammar logic rhetoric of that project and what that has to do with history. Oh yeah. Like I, I love the fact that once, once again, I said art and history, I feel like are two vehicles that we can teach absolutely everything from. So they fit really well in my mind together. And so like some of the projects that we do, um, like in the medieval or the middle ages, they do stained glass windows. And we do that with oil pastels because once again, I want to bring in different mediums. I want them to experience different tools and things like that. In the ancient world, we do vases where we learn the the mythology because they're, they're learning that in school, like different, different mythology and how that relates to the people of the time. And so, and why people did certain things. And, and so we get to do that. And then in early modern, um, the students in grammar school actually did embroidery of their own. Mm -hmm. So we learned it there because it, it was one of the tools that women had to tell their history. And so it's really nice for students to see that art is done by all people. Mm -hmm. And if we like Today, we're, we're doing embroidery in seventh and eighth. They're learning embroidery because embroidery and fabric arts is actually making a comeback in our world. Mm -hmm. And so to get them to be able to once again see, and we did art history with this, we looked at a bunch of different countries all over the world and there's embroidery from every single one of them. And it's not done just by women. Like there are some places where embroidery is a, a male skill and it's because of religious reasons. And so it was just really interesting to get them to see that embroidery is done by everybody everywhere. And it has a purpose. Um, a lot of the embroidery gives us a story or tells a history and some embroidery has been passed down for hundreds of years and added to, and it makes it valuable because it's got the history attached to it. And so for those older grades embroidery, what they will be doing is they will be embroidering their own personal history onto a tea towel that hopefully will have significance for their family. Yeah. And so again, I love how you're helping students see, look at the art and see what might be underneath that, see the artist behind it. So I imagine that as they look at a classmate's embroidery, even if they don't maybe love the aesthetic, they'll see that that says something about the artist, something beautiful, something true, something good, and can appreciate what their fellow artists have done. That's really cool. 
what are some other things that you are excited about with TCA's art pro- program and the grammar stage, kind of what you've built? Are there other pieces that we haven't touched on from grammar? Well, for grammar, I'm really excited this year because we're helping with geography and we're doing that through cartography. So geography is the science of the surface of the earth and cartography is map making it's and so that's more of the art side of it so getting kids to see that geography is not in isolation i mean it's not because it gives them a map of the world it gives them hooks to put places in the world on but they've been drawing these maps and they have the skills that and tools that i've been giving them but they haven't been making those connections between the two and really being able to show kids that nothing is done in isolation, that you can pull tools from history or math or language arts into every class that you take. Like those tools are not only used for that classroom. And another thing, like when we look at artwork, I'm so excited for this, but even when we look at artwork, we talk about like, what's the topic? Like what's the, what's the main point? What are three supporting facts that give you the main point of the painting? So it's learning those skills for reading, but we're doing it by looking at a painting because that's what you can do. Like they overlap. It's really good to be able to learn skills without having to have their brain trying to also read and retain all of that information on reading. So I, I love these things. Like these are, these are so great. Yeah. I I was excited. You know, Heather, you've created some videos to help parents see how you're making connections for students between art and geography. And I loved how you were saying, okay, students, you know, these elements of arts, you know, line, you know, shape, how can you now look at the maps that you're drawing and start to see those lines and shapes. And so we talk about how grammar school students have a hard time making the push into logic because it's a little bit challenging, right? It's not just um, repeating, it's starting to apply and kind of make the learning their own. And so you're really helping students say, okay, you know these things, now apply them, now make the connections. And I love how you're doing that. Yeah, I, it's it's been a lot of fun, especially since I get to see it all. Like I, I can see how the things that I'm doing in first grade are going to affect those kids in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that... I just wanted to touch on like our, our grades work in cycles. So like one through four, they all do the exact same project. Now it's more difficult for that fourth grader than for that first grader, but they're all doing the same project. And that's very intentional because I want the students to be able to have community and connection. Like I want families to be able to go home and be able to talk about like, this is what we are doing and being able to see, like, I'm doing the same thing as you. And it's, it has been fun to talk to families about how those conversations can happen. And I still try to pull that in, even for the upper grades. If I can somehow map everybody doing like a self-portrait together at the exact same time, I will, because I think it's beneficial for a smaller student to be able to see an older student and have that conversation. There's that nice connection and they can grow together in a skill. Yeah. And just as I think about some of the products I've seen your grammar school students create, I think because you start with the basic skill, because you talk about those elements and then you help them sort of put them together for a project, their projects are amazing. You know, they don't do very many, but the ones that they do are really well done. And I think that's just um, a really great picture of what you've, what you've built. Talk a little bit more. You just touched on logic and rhetoric. What can parents expect? What are you hoping for and building in those years? So for logic, um, we're building in just being able to take what they, they know of those elements and applying them. So in logic, we start introducing the principles of art or the principles of design. And so that takes those building blocks and it intentionally uses them to create a, a piece of artwork that 
says something. So we talk about how like emphasis will move your eye. Like that's the first thing. So if you don't want your viewer to see that, then you should not have emphasis on it or why we're going to use certain colors. Like, so we talk about using all those things that we know and now applying them to create pieces, to convey emotions and thoughts and feelings that they have. So they get a lot more freedom for personal choice and for creating art that says something to them or to society. Um, my whole goal though, for them is that they will be able to slow down that they will be able to look at something and engage with it, whether that's a couch, a chair, a piece of artwork or their friend, like they will not just stop at the surface that they will engage more fully with whatever they look at. I love that. And I think you're even kind of working backward, right? You're trying to build in them that spirit of slowing down and really seeing by having them create something that is worth slowing down and looking at. And so I think that's a really cool kind of way that you're, you're building that in. Um, you're helping them see how their work will be viewed so they can view other work more effectively. Yeah. What kind of projects are some of your logic school students doing? Are you still following the history cycle? What does that look like? Yeah, I still follow the history cycle. It's a little bit more challenging with the older kids because um, fifth and sixth are on a two-year cycle for skills and seventh and eighth are on a two-year cycle for skills. But we still do projects based in in that history cycle. So we are doing modern, modern art. A lot of the art that we're going to do this year is modern art. We started with embroidery. Um, seventh and eighth will also learn about creativity verbs and how to apply creativity verbs to their art. A lot of students feel like, well, I don't know how to be creative. And that's something that can be taught. Like being creative can be taught. And so giving them the tools to, if I'm not sure what to do, well, here, here are some things like these creativity verbs will help me. So what's a creativity oh, verb? Um, <laughs> A creative, a creativity verb is a verb that can change something. So it, melting, right? Mm. That's a verb. Yes. I am terrible. <laughs> I am terrible. English with, was not one of your majors. No, no, it was not. Um, actually I minored in literature. So, but, um, <laughs> so creativity verbs is a verb that will, will change something. It, it can be actionable. So melting would be one. So if they have an idea, well now melt it or dissect it or like, so using any of those words to take something and altering it. So instead of just, here's my puppy, well, how can you change that puppy? Like, what could you be doing to that puppy or with that puppy or with the environment that you're putting that puppy in? And it just gives them tools. And so even with these older kids, I don't allow them to just do one idea. They have to come up with many ideas because in their heads, the first idea is going to be the best idea. But if they stop and slow down and think things through, a lot of times it's that fourth, fifth or sixth idea that they're like, no, this was really good. And sometimes all they did was change it just a little bit. And that's, I tell them that's fine. Just change one small thing, change where you put something like just change something and, and see how they work out. I'm not asking for a whole new different design, but take that design that you think is really good and alter it and see how to improve or make it, make it into something different. Yeah. I think that has such um, application for life, right? I think sometimes we get so fixated on how we thought things should be or would be that we can't see how God is calling us to creativity to see his creative path or plan versus what we had thought of. And I think you see that like, okay, you're making a piece of artwork and how can you, if it's maybe not what you thought, 
how can you be creative to make it something even better? Or even if it was what you thought, how could you mix that up? I actually, so I feel like I saw a student applying that last year. I, when I was teaching humanities, students had to do an, a piece of artwork that represented the book of Micah and a student painted something and he was quite discouraged about it because halfway through he had felt like it wasn't good, but then he had gotten creative and done sort of like a layer on top he had covered, which maybe is a creative verb. I don't know, but he had like covered and reworked and ended up with a really beautiful painting. It wasn't what he had thought it would be, but he had used those creative verbs to make it something beautiful anyway. So. Yeah. It's, it's a good skill and also perseverance, just teaching the kids that even when we make mistakes, finish, just finish. You have, you do not know how it will, will come out in the end and just getting them to see that if you made that mistake, just change your plan. Mm -hmm. Like nobody else knows that you made a mistake. Mm -hmm. You're the only one that knows. So make it look intentional. So that's, that's a big key thing. It's just making intentional change your plan and it, and it's good. And I know you, you did talk about, um, just creativity and creation. Like God is the ultimate creator. Like we get to create because we are made in his image. It is so beautiful. And even the kids who are like, well, ah, this isn't my thing and I can't do this. We can like writing, making any marks, coloring, decorating, like those are all ways of creation. And those are the things that God gave us. Like we get to see him so much better and more fully because we are able to do the things and not perfectly, but we can still do them. And I think it's such a beautiful thing to remind students that this is a thing that we get from, from God. Hmm. Yeah. I, I hear that in what you're saying is that you're teaching students not just to see like paint or oil pastels or, you know, what are the chalk pastels, not to just see those things as art, but to see all of life as art. And that really is teaching students to see that God is creating all the time. If we only have eyes to see it. I love that. So Heather, in logic school, students are still in the history cycle, but you're building on that. You're going toward the principles of art, not just the elements. In rhetoric school, art is an elective. And if students choose to continue their study, what are they doing? How will that build on what they've learned in grammar and logic school? Yeah, rhetoric school has the elective. And currently, this is our first year. So I'm trying to think well of this, but I want them to be able to write their own curriculum, kind of. So I meet with them. Like this year, I met with every single one of them. We talked about what interests them, what is engaging for them. And we've created projects that they will be completing. So if they don't necessarily want to do what we're following in the history cycle, we can still pursue that. Now we do have art history once a month. Um, so we do art history. I had them all fill out forms on the type of history, art history that engages them. And so we'll hit on some of those, but we'll also hit on some things that actually do follow along with like what some of their classmates or peers or what we're looking at in their classes. They, they're still, they're still pursuing things. We're learning things. We're doing difficult things. Um, we did get a 3d printer donated to our school, so they get to learn 3d printing, but it's not like, even with that, they're not doing it just for themselves. Like they will be creating things for the school. They will be creating tools that are useful so that they can see that through art, it is so much broader than just art. I never want art to be in an isolation. Like there's, there's purpose behind it and everything that they create has to be thought out. So it's not like I just want to do watercolors. Well, okay. What is that? What does that mean? So we're delving deeper into that. We're doing more experimentation, but their projects have to be well thought out. It has, there has to be reason behind it. There has to be 
thought. They're using, they're using the skills, they're using the principles, they're using the elements and they're applying those to their art projects. And we talk about that. And that all goes through with like formal art analysis. So they do critiques. They'll be doing critiques on each other's artwork Mm -hmm. where we discuss things to make it better, to, um, to improve upon what we liked. And actually all of my classes do that. Um, grammar and logic. We, we do a form of art critique so that they are looking at each other's artwork and seeing how to improve, which is really helpful because it helps you take criticism well, because nothing that anybody says is intended to be hurtful. It's just intended to make it better, which doesn't mean that they didn't like it in the first place, but everybody has to say something that, Hey, what could you do to make it better? Not that you have to even use any of those things. But so in those older grades, we are really taking all of those things. They're creating a path of projects that they want to do. And then I am helping facilitate that. Yeah, yeah, and, and then I, I hear so many things we care about, about at TCA. In oh, yeah. school, school right? right, we care about being able to talk about things well. And so you're giving them the tools of artistic discourse and discussion um, and how to do that in a way that has a spirit of charity, but also can be productive feedback. And then I also hear you saying that rhetoric school art pieces. We want them, we want to think about their effect on the world. We want them to be helpful and useful, um, beautiful. And that's part of civil, our portrait of a graduate. We want students to be thinking about how their work can help improve the world and uh, make it a better place. So we're hoping that uh, parents will learn more about the art program that you are building and creating because art is something that at a collaborative school, parents aren't getting to participate in very much at home. And I know that's something you long for is parent participation for parents to know all of the wonderful things that students are getting to experience and learn. What would you say that TCA parents can do at home to support what they're learning in art? Yeah. Ask questions. Like, I think that's the biggest one is just ask your student, ask your child, what are they doing? A lot of times, and I was that parent and my kids would be like, I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Um, but a lot of times it's just that simple question to be able to, to see things or asking them, like I, I tell the students when they send, when I send home their sketchbooks, like you have to show a parent, you have to show them all of the studies that you did, all the things that you walked through to get to your project, because they'll see your project hopefully, but at least they can see all the work that you did ahead of time. Um, another thing is just slowing down, like looking at things. If you notice something in nature, if you notice something in a book, um, like the cover of their textbooks, talk to them about that. Like, how do you think that relates in your book? Are you seeing that image, um, make a connection with, with anything that's happening in there? Look around your home. There are things there for a reason. Like you put them there because you like them. Have a conversation about those. Um, I know one of my favorite, well, two of my favorite books that I I use a lot, um, is art in the Bible by Francis Schaeffer. And it just talks about how art is from God, because I know there's, there's conversations that we shouldn't be doing art and we shouldn't be creating, but God gave us that. And this, this book walks through it. And my seventh and eighth graders will be listening to this. Um, after semester, we're going to listen to the audio book so that they can actually get some of this. Cause I think it is so good and so helpful. And then the other one, the other book is gazing encountering the mysteries of art. And it's by Stephen Turley. And this is amazing because it actually walks you through how to gaze at a piece of artwork, how to look at it. And so if we're uncomfortable doing things, then 
it's hard to engage our students in those things. I mean, I'm a parent. I don't know how to engage real well in Latin. And it's hard for me to say, this is not my strong suit. So how can I help my student? And I get that from a lot of parents is just like, well, how can I engage when this is not my thing? Just having conversations. And I feel like most teachers would say that just have a conversation, um, look through things, engage with things. And then the last thing that I would love for, for parents to do is not talk bad about their own skills. Um, I have so many friends and parents and teachers who do this, who are just like, they'll draw something on the board or they'll draw something and be like, ha ha ha, I'm terrible. I can't draw. What you're, what you're showing though, is your student who maybe does want to draw like, oh, that looks like my stuff. So I must not be able to draw. It's just changing, changing that dialogue in your home. I mean, the same thing comes to math. Like I don't say, I'm just not a math person. I can't do math. I not very good at math, but it's that whole like, well, this one might not be right this time, but I can learn and I can grow. And it's just changing, changing how we talk about art so that it's, it becomes something that's achievable, that's attainable, that everybody can do because everybody can do it. And I'm not just talking about actually creating the artwork, but engaging with artwork. Everybody can engage well with artwork. It's just a different mindset. Yeah. I really appreciate the growth mindset you're giving us to think about that. You know, we have the assembly saying, I can't do this yet. And I think so often we just talk about, I can't do this. This wasn't good in our own drawing skills and in so many areas of life. And we want to help students see that maybe that wasn't our best drawing, but, um, that doesn't define us, you know, that black and white thinking, that doesn't mean we're a bad artist. Um, and so I love that you're giving parents, yeah, the vision for their own self-talk and then they can hopefully impart more positive self-talk to their kids. Well, Heather, thanks so much for all the work you've done to build TCA's program, for the ways you continue to make things better and invest in just the way students are thinking, not only about art, but about every subject. I'm so grateful for your presence and excited to see how these students continue to learn and grow under your leadership. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I truly feel blessed to be here. This is like my dream job, being able to talk about art and God at the exact same time. Like it is truly a beautiful thing. I love that our students are getting that from you. Thanks, Heather. Thank you.